one time after I was newly sober, I had run out of all my money and I had to get a job and I hadn't had a job since I was 19 years old. I had been earning a living as a musician. I was very, very afraid of losing my freedom, you know, my freedom to stay up, go out, meet people, try to make things happen. You know, I I just had a very free life as a musician and I was terrified about getting a job and I went to a therapist about it. And I ended up getting a job working for a publicist and writing press releases. And what I found was that it was a whole other freedom to know that I could go out in the world and take care of myself. And maybe it wasn't like I get to stay up late and sleep in late. But from that time on, I was never, ever afraid again. It's like, I can do it. I can do whatever I need to, to take care of myself. And that is a very free feeling. That's much more freedom than being able to stay up late and sleep in. You know her best as the bassist of the Go-Go's, but she's also currently the music director for Zach Theater's production of Head Over Heels right now. I feel like everything Kathy Valentine says is a pearl of wisdom, and she is so open about her life experiences. Kathy talks about getting what you want and losing it, what you manifest, living in a place of fear, what it's like to be single at 64, and the key that she's discovered for successful relationships with your friends, with your family, with your coworkers. And I, for one, am going to use it every day. Kathy, I am so glad to be chatting with you. Tell me, how are you in this moment? I'm good. It's um, my second day off, which is like we, I've not had a day off in a really long time. Um, so it's been really nice. You know, we, we've done, we went into tech rehearsals and preview shows and it was, you know, pretty grueling. And yet I'm in awe of the process in that, they seem to know, like, like two days before the first preview show, I was like, I don't think I'm ready. I don't think the band's ready. I don't think we're ready. We need at least two or three more rehearsals. And the director and nobody seemed worried. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, they're going to know more than I did. And by the time we did it, it was great. So they seem to know exactly what's going on. That's kind of amazing. And how long have you been working on Head Over Heels, Kathy? I hired the band about mid-May and got commitments from everyone. And then we started uh, learning the material on our own, kind of at the beginning of June, and then getting together and working it out. And then starting around mid-July, we get together like two or three times a week and just run down stuff. And then starting in July, when the cast started working on stuff, I think about mid-July, we started uh, kind of being able to get with them sometimes. Usually the band comes in like right at the very end, but since we were new to this uh, type of work, I was hoping to get a little bit more than that done, which is what we did. Are you responsible for bringing it to Austin? How did that come about? I know it was on Broadway. It was on Broadway in 2018. I know I wasn't responsible. I, I heard uh, I think back in 2019, I heard that it was going to come to Zach, but then I guess because of COVID, it just took, it didn't come and it took them a while to fit it into the schedule. And so did Zach Theater reach out to you? Yes, I was 
in New York at a um, at a fan conference, a comic con that also has pop culture. And Dave happened to be in the city and saw that I was there, and he he came over to where I was doing my signings and stuff, and said that Head Over Heels is going to go into production at Zach. And I said I had heard that and was glad. And you know, was there any way I could be involved? And he said he would love us to, and I said, love for me to be involved. And I suggested being musical director for the band and putting the band together. Well, that worked out pretty beautifully. Well, I guess so. I mean, I live here, and it's a musical featuring the Go-Go's music. So, And the, a lot of the productions try to honor our legacy and hire all-female bands. Not all of them do, but some do. So I definitely wanted to keep that part intact. So, Kathy, what is that like at this point in your career, reflecting on all the things you've done, things you've accomplished? What is it like to be working with this band, with this music? It's, I'm having a, a fantastic time on so many different levels. And what I, I really like for, you know, the Go-Go's after their Rock Hall of Fame induction in 2021, we basically went on a you know, somewhere in the realm of hiatus retirement. Not everybody in the band wants to continue touring or creating or working. And it's kind of been different degrees of of interest in that for some time. So after that big apex event, you know, kind of like a lot of people, a few people felt like that was kind of the peak and didn't want to go forward. So for me, getting to do the Go-Go's music again in, in a whole new way is wonderful and getting to play it with musicians and put kind of a a texas kind of rock and roll just texas vibe on it is really fun for me and you know i'll i always said to the band you know let's let's stay true to what the hooks are and what is identifiable about you know this song being a go-go song but you know, here at the end, Eve, why don't you go into like just a, a a solo like that you wouldn't have heard the Go-Go's play or we didn't have a keyboard player all the time. Sometimes our guitarist played piano, but having, I mean, the, the musicianship is fantastic and it's fun to have that kind of come to light. And uh, obviously the theatrical arrangements and the many trained voices it's it's just a lot of fun and the part I was a little bit trepidatious about was the consistency of the schedule like showing up like a job basically you know a lot of musicians if they get to the point where they are earning a living as a musician the last thing they want is a, a job you know that's your job so it felt more like a regular job because you have to be here at this time and you kind of and I'm really liking it I like the structure I like the schedule I like you know we a musician might or a band might play the same set over and over but you're on a tour bus and you're going to a different city you're not showing up to the same place night after night Mm -hmm. unless you have like a three-month Vegas residency or something yeah, right. So that is like a def- a different model to work under. But I really am enjoying it. I, I am having the best time. I, I, I really 
I'm, I'm very grateful that I get to do this. It's, I feel like it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. And, uh, so I'm trying to be very present and conscious and aware of that. It's a, it's just a, a point in time that I get to do this. Wow, what a great way of looking at it, especially because it can be hard to really be in the moment. I think as you get older, it's something you're able to be more cognizant of that, you know, I, I, I certainly have become a very aware, present person in a different way than, than I was when I was younger. Have you done a lot of work on yourself, Kathy? I have not read your book yet, and I am really looking forward to reading All I Ever Wanted. So, Oh, good. Yeah, I think you'll enjoy it. I worked hard on that, and I'm really, really proud of it. Yeah, I mean, I have 34 years of sobriety. Um, I've done therapy. I've, you know, I, I think I've definitely come a long, long way and know how to instinctively deal with a lot of situations that might have baffled me in the past, you know? Yeah. But I still am learning and open, and I learn from everyone. I learn from my daughter. I learn from reading. I learn from school. I learn from watching people I admire and how they handle things, and I hope to be that to other people, too, you know, have people watch how I handle things and be inspired. Yeah, that's a big one. And I think it's I think it's through the sharing that people find that inspiration. You know, they we kind of are all interested in the same stuff, right? We want to be loved. We want to we want to make money. We want to take care of the people that we love. We want to thrive. We want to smile and laugh and and whatever kind of enables you to get over the hurdles. And of course, the first time you get over a hurdle, it's super tough. So you and your book, uh, you know, you bravely share a lot in that book that I think many people will will take with them. Yeah, I think, I mean, I'd like, I'm working on a sequel to it because this memoir goes from the ages of 11 to 30. And uh, it's a whole different journey after that, which I think is very relatable and compelling. But yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. And I think another thing I learned from being a bandmate for most of all my adult life is that that's helped me be a better friend and mother and girlfriend or wife or anything is that people also want to be acknowledged and recognized for their contributions, Mm -hmm. no matter how small it is. And I think that's just really important. That's my biggest takeaway from being in a band is like, you know, to recognize and and acknowledge everyone's contribution. Oh my God, Kathy, if corporations could learn how to do that, their retention rates would skyrocket. Yeah, it's it's a pretty basic thing. And it's like, you know, it's just, once you know it, it's like, I think it's a key to a better, better relationships in life all the way around. Yeah. And it's easy to do. I mean, it's easy, it's easy to kind of say like, okay, I know this person, I understand them. They they want to be kind of, they want to feel in control a little and, you know, maybe make it like they can do that or this person likes to be babied a little. That's okay. I can, I can provide that. And this person doesn't feel appreciated for showing up on time and just like noticing, mm-hmm. saying, hey, I love how you're always there on time and ready to go. Or I love how you 
always clean up your space after you. I just think it's such a great way to be in the world. It is. You're 100% right. Did you first feel really seen when it came to music and playing the guitar and songwriting? Oh, definitely music was how I wanted to, you know, be known. And uh, as soon as I picked up a guitar, I pretty much knew that was going to be how I, I, I literally had no doubt that that was what I was going to do. Wow. And the rest was a lot of very good fortune and luck and talent and preparedness and all those little elements that you can control and not control fell into place. But I have to say that my book was really uh, a huge thing for me because I realized, you know, at the, it came out when I was 61, I think. Yeah, in 2020. And uh, I realized that maybe the time had come to just be Kathy Valentine and not just be always just a cool chick in the cool band. And it, I felt like that it served me really well for my life, but it has also been very safe that I never really was putting myself out there. And the book, I kind of had no choice. I was, and I liked it and I thought it's not too late. So in my sixties, I have done more, being Kathy Valentine than I have in my entire professional career. And I like it. You know, I, I've, I've started doing, I've done speaking engagements and book events. And when people invite me to sit in or come out to participate in a, an event, I go. And in the past, I used to be like, oh, can my band do it? I, it was like I was almost afraid to, to be me. And the book really opened up my world in a way and I'm enjoying it now. I'm enjoying being myself. It's a hard thing to describe because most people, they think, oh, you're in a famous band, you're famous. But I was very insulated. I was the bass player. You know, I was not the one that was pointed out or, or, or singled out, you know, a lot. So, and I liked it that way. Easily recognized at when you were all together with the group, but maybe you alone in a cafe. Yeah, it's just like it, it, I was I never craved the spotlight and I still don't. I don't really crave the spotlight. But at the same time, I am enjoying that feeling of just me being enough. I don't have to be in a cool band to be enough. I'm enough. Yeah. What was that like, Kathy? Let's reflect for just a second on when the Go-Go's just became a household name, I imagine that it was exciting for sure, but was part of it just really terrifying? No, it felt like what I was supposed to be doing. You know, it really did. I, it, I can't say it was terrifying, but it was a lot of hard work. And and I think what became terrifying to me and what I write about pretty openly is that that I, and that I wouldn't have expected or realized at the time, it's something you see from hindsight, was what I was terrified of was losing it mm. because the band very quickly became my entire identity. It became how, how I was a go-go, and that was how I supported myself, and that was how I took care of my mom, and that was how, you know, that was what I had dreamed of since I was, 15 or 16 was making it in a band. So I think what I wasn't expecting was how frightening, frightened I was of losing it. And uh, when you live in a place of fear, it, it's not a good place. It's, it's almost like 
if you're in a relationship with someone and you love them so much and so you start getting insecure and jealous and I'm not saying it's the exact same thing, but it's it's a relatable thing. You you get you get scared of losing that, which means so much to you. Does it kind of become a self-fulfilling prophecy then? Well, I think it just sets up a dynamic. You know, everybody is in a band for different reasons. And that's it was a big theme of my book. You know, all I ever wanted as the title, it's the second line of my biggest song, Vacation, All I Ever Wanted. But it was also all I ever wanted was to be in a band and make it for all that. But it was also all I ever wanted was to belong and to feel like I was in a family. So my, my motivations were very different than say somebody else that, you know, wanted something else. So for me, it was, it was, it was, I don't know if it was self-fulfilling, but it was like, it was baggage you know, like these were my sisters. This was my family. This was everything to me. And uh, somebody else might have been like, oh, this is a springboard to the rest of my life. Or somebody else might have like, you know, everybody had different different motivations. Right. So in 1985, when y'all broke apart, that must have been devastating. It was devastating. Yeah, I, I, I was very lost. And it wasn't until I got sober and in 1989 that I um, started finding myself outside of that band. I, I really, it was very devastating. And then it came back and I got to be a go-go again on and off, you know, for up until 2022. Wow. And why were y'all able to come back? Is it the time and the distance between disagreements or things that were said that allows for healing? Yeah, I mean, we broke up in 85. And after about five years, we, you know, Belinda went on and kind of had some success. And I got sober and Charlotte was sober. And, you know, the lines of communication then began to open. And then we were offered a chance to do a a benefit for an initiative for the environment. And doing a benefit seemed like a good thing. And if it wasn't a big commitment, it was just like, yeah, this is a good thing. And when we did that, it felt fun and it felt exciting. And, mm-hmm. and everybody decided to, to do more. And then it split up again. You know, the band has a history of not really, people say reun- reunions. They, they're not really reunions. They're just like, we kind of go in and out. It sort of reminds me of, um, I don't know if you've ever read Pima Chodron's book, Falling Apart. Like she talks about how life is just a series of things falling apart and coming together and falling apart and coming together. I do like, uh, I don't think I have read that book, but it sounds something I would like a lot. She's a a Buddhist, right? She is. Yeah. She's like a a Buddhist nun, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. I'm familiar with with her, some of her quotes and writings. She's just amazing. I I think so. Yeah. and And so I was thinking about that when you were talking about the band and it's like, it seems like you lived your lives, you know, the way life is. Things come together and they fall apart. And I sort of love that. Well, things are very different for when you're in your 20s. When we were successful, I was the youngest. I was 22 and we went to number one and we were in our early 20s and nobody owned homes or was married or had children or had pets. It was all, everything was about the band. And that's a very different situation when you get later in life. And, you know, now it's difficult 
it's, it's harder on your body. It's harder to leave your home, your pets, you know, uh, it's just, and people have different levels of comfort about what they want to do. So it's sad for the fans. We have, we have a very loyal fan base that is, you know, probably very disappointed that we don't tour as so many of the bands from different eras are still out there touring and stuff. And I think it's disappointing for our fans, but it's really, you know, it's not like you can twist anyone's arm and go, oh, yes, you really do want to do this. You know, come on, you know, you want to do it. That's not how it is. No, that's not how it is at all. Everybody has their own vision. Yeah. So if, if someone says, I, and it's really not the same to do it without, I mean, if, if everybody wanted to do it and Belinda didn't want it, we wouldn't hire a new lead singer. It just wouldn't really be the go-go. So I'm really grateful. I'm grateful we don't do that. It makes it all that much more special when everybody does come together at the same time with the same mindset. Yeah. And at, at this point, I, I really don't think it's going to come together anymore. I think I think it's we've accomplished everything that we could have ever dreamed. We have we have a star on Hollywood Boulevard. We are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We had a successful Broadway musical that still plays all around the country. We had an you know nobody can take any of our legacy. We had the still the very only album by an all-female band to be number one. You know, we still hold that distinction. So there's really no need to keep, you know, squeezing life out of it. I I, I would do it, but I don't want to do it, work with people that aren't into it. Right. So I just keep busy doing other things. I mean, I, I, I have a, I have a really full life and I'm, I'm not going to, I mean, I could sit there and dwell and be bitter like, oh, I could make so much money if the Go-Go's were on tour. If that's true, yes, I could. But I don't really want to be bitter or frustrated. That's not how I want to feel. So I just try to live a full life and assume that there's other things that are that are meaningful and good, which there are. But, you know, in terms of career, I mean, this is a this thing I'm doing now is fantastic. If the Go-Go's had been on tour, I wouldn't be able to do it. For sure. And when you create space, you have no idea what's going to come in to fill that space. Yeah, you got to have the space. It doesn't really work. I, it's like it's like you can't just pretend like you've created space. You kind of have to really let go and trust. You do. And then that's when the good things come. You have to leap. And wait for the net to appear. And it's really scary when you create space. You don't have that next thing. And I think that's where all the juice is because a lot of times that's where things, because something comes in that you couldn't have imagined otherwise. That's my experience. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think, again, when you're older, you see that play out and you can kind of trust that it's going to happen. Yeah. You know, I'm single right now and I've never been single at 64 ever. And I could just assume that I'm always going to be that way. But when I look back on my life, I usually just go about my living. And then I kind of eventually meet a great guy and have a great relationship for however long it lasts. And so I kind of don't assume that I'm that that part of my romance life is over, you know, because my history kind of says something otherwise. For sure. And I think a lot of times when you're, single and focusing on yourself and doing things you're interested in, that sort of confidence, it vibrates outward. 
and attracts. Yeah, and I think you attract people that are interested in and that rather than somebody that's just, you know, looking to not be alone. That's not me at all. Exactly. And how nice also to be, you know, have that freedom and focus for yourself. It's nice to be in partnership relationship too, but it is also nice to enjoy being single and, and having that freedom. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, probably if I was like, I, I'm fine with long distance relationships. I would be fine being neighbors with my next guy. It's like, I don't really want to like be all the time. I just don't have time. I want to do too many things still. Was it Catherine Hepburn who said that men and women should live in houses next door to each other? I agree. (laughs) I'm not sure who it was, but I agree. It makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? And how cool that you're doing this project head over heels in your hometown. Like throughout your career, Kathy, I feel like Texas, Austin in particular, has been like a mainstay. Well, it has. I mean, I, I don't know that I would have become a musician if I'd lived somewhere else. People that read my book are often, you know, taken aback at the way I was raised. But in Austin, it didn't seem that odd. I mean, Austin was very progressive and attracted a lot of quirky, kind of creative eccentrics in the 60s and 70s. And my mom was certainly eccentric and, you know, had her ideas about what being a mother and raising a kid was. And I think Austin had something to do with that. And I think that, you know, as I started learning my instruments, my my guitar and stuff, I had a lot of music to be inspired by. There were musicians that were very kind and supportive and no one ever like was dismissive to me. And so I think Austin has always felt like a place that I, that I could be become, you know, what I wanted to be. But when I moved, I I definitely felt like I had to leave to, to succeed at what I wanted to do. And when I came back, it was primarily to raise my daughter. And now that she's in college, I'm, I've become an English citizen. I have dual citizenship and hold a British passport. And I'm going to England to live for a year because my mom was English and she passed away. And I would like to be around family more. So as much as I love Austin and being here, I also want to be around family. So I'm going to start a new phase next year. That is so great. How exciting is that? Yeah, I think it's great. I'm excited. And I'll still keep my house here and rent it out. But who knows? I might I might end up lady of the manor in England. You never know. <laughs> Tomorrow is promised to no one. That's for sure. And I also <laughs> love how you continue to enlarge your territory. Like I was thinking about you growing up in Austin, you knew you had to leave to get, to get the kind of success that you were striving for. You enlarged your territory when you moved to California. Obviously, on tour, you're experiencing all kinds of stuff. And here you are, like in this next phase of life, again, enlarging your territory. And I think that's so great for people to witness you doing that, Kathy, because I do feel that part of your legacy and the legacy of the Go-Go's is so much about women's empowerment. You know, I can remember being a kid and looking at y'all and thinking there's nobody else like them. You know, like, where did they come from? Like, everybody knew that this was something phenomenal and different. And I think women today... You know, a lot of women hit 50 and start thinking like, well, okay, well, 
I have a lot of life left to live, but the world doesn't seem to be looking at me the same way. And, you know, what are my goals and how am I going to push forward? And there's too many people saying what you can and can't do, and not everybody can overcome that kind of criticism. Yeah, that's a lot of the theme of my next book is like finding your place in the world again. And as you hit your 50s and 60s, and it doesn't matter if you're like, you're like me, a, a go-go that now has to figure out some other way to to earn a living, or maybe, you know, you've been married and raised the kids and now you're divorced and your kids are moved out. And that was how you defined yourself. Or maybe you had a job and now there's other people that are younger or machines or AI doing the work that you, so I think it's a really relatable theme, regardless of why I think the overarching theme is that a lot of us men and women have to kind of figure out how to find our place in the world again. Uh, And we're not ready to retire. I'm not ready to retire. I would like to have some really big accomplishments still to make. I would really like to write a couple more books. and, And I graduated from college in 2021. And I would love to go back to school. I would love to get master's degrees and anything that interested me and and I think it's it's really nice to to try to put that message out it's a big part of my message when I do public speaking and what I do like there's no reason like you were just saying that I should have to slow down or stop but it can be daunting it can be very daunting because you're right people don't look at you the same and you know I I've been blessed with some good genes and, and uh, whatnot. And I'm still like presentable and attractive. And, but there's going to be a time when I'm just old and that's going to change too. It's like the way as women, we are judged by our appearance and the way we age just puts a whole other giant element to this finding your place in the world again. And that's why writing appeals to me a lot because I feel like as a writer, I'll be allowed to get old. You can kind of be a writer and just be yourself. Whereas when you're out there performing, you just, or trying to get jobs, it's so much appearance oriented. That is true. And especially so for women, right? Like, yeah. like I remember going to see the Rolling Stones. I think it was, Bridges to Babylon tour in the 90s. And we were like, we had to get tickets because we were like, who knows if they're ever going to tour again? I mean, like, if only we knew then what we know now. And I do feel like America in particular, we have this incredible ageism disparity in terms of how we view men and how we do women. And so, and, and it makes so much sense to me, Kathy, that at this point in your life, you're doing all of the things that you're doing because you needed all of the experiences you've already had, you know, to make the rest of it happen. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And just like the Go-Go's were able to represent possibility to so many different people that seeing us accomplish things helps a lot of people go, well, maybe, maybe there's, places in my life I could go that I hadn't thought about. And in my own way, I would like to continue being able to do that. And just, I mean, I met a woman at the show the other night afterwards, and 
she was somebody's mother and she was an older woman woman and she said it's so great to see you play I've always wanted to play the guitar and I just looked at her and I said well you can and she kind of shook her head no and I said you can you can go get a guitar and then a few months you'll be learning and playing chords and then a year from now you'll be able to play songs and it just made me kind of sad the way she just looked like no there there wasn't a way you know wow i wonder if she if she took that in because i i don't know you never know but that's what i just said you can do it yeah she absolutely can it's interesting that the limitations we put around ourselves yeah and i understand that an instrument seems really daunting but every single person starts not knowing how to do it. Yeah. And whether you're 10 or 60 or 70, when you first pick it up, you don't know how. What, how old were you when you first picked up a guitar, Kathy? Uh, 14, 15. And do you feel today, would you say you're an expert in that instrument or do you feel like you're still learning from your guitar? Oh, no, I'm not an expert at all, but I'm very good. I know that I'm very musical and I, I know that I have really good style and taste. I, I have a lot of qualities that aren't maybe the same qualities that somebody that's very technically proficient has or virtuoso abilities. I don't have those, but the things I have are really important, good things to have. I have good style. I have good taste. I have confidence and attitude, and I'm very musical. I know, I know the way things should sound. And the way I think they should sound is often spot on. And yet I still like to collaborate a lot. So I I have a lot of confidence as my abilities as a musician and a a writer. But no, I'm always learning. The musical, I don't read music. You know, I was handed a giant music score and I don't read music. So I had to use my ear and train myself to recognize certain patterns on 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 the page. and. It was a lot of hard work, but I enjoy it. In fact, I'm inspired to maybe learning how to read music from doing this. I love that you just said that because I have often heard, like, I don't think Ed Sheeran reads music. And I was like, how do you write songs when you can't read music? And also, like, I re- I can read music, but I can't write a song. I can play the piano, <laughs> but I cannot play the piano. I don't have the thing. Why have you not learned how to read music before? I haven't needed to. I don't, I don't need to read music. This was the first thing that would it would have been helpful, but you know, I have a good ear. I could just I could listen to the Now, if there hadn't been a recording of the musical, that there was there was a recording of the Broadway musical, so I could listen to that and oh, right. I just kind of pieced it together. But no, I, I there's no reason most rock musicians don't read music. They don't need to. Wow. You just learn your, you learn your scales and you learn how to, you learn, you know, the different styles that you want to play and play to records, emulate the people that you like and make up melodies and words and find the chords that go with them. You don't really, it always helps to know some music theory. Like, I, I mean, I know basic music theory. I know what a minor chord is. I know what a major chord is. I know what, I know the basics, but I don't need to read. I'm I'm not going to play a guitar solo by looking at music. I'm going to play a guitar solo because I'm on the spot improvising something that fits with what's being played. I just love that you were the musical director for this entire show and you don't read music. That's fantastic. 
Yeah. I'm, I mean, I would have to look it up. Like I sometimes I'd be like, I don't really know what to play in this part. I can't really hear what the original band did on it. I would like look at the notes on the page and I would just look on the internet. I would look up bass clef scale and I'd go, oh, okay, that one up there is a C and there's a F sharp. And I know where they are on my neck. So then I would play them and maybe I would remember next time I saw it that that's what those notes were. <laughs> but I certainly didn't need it. I mean, I mean, I can hear if something's bad. I can hear if a note is right or wrong. My ear, my ear would, would go, oh, that's not good. Yeah. So the show Head Over Heels is playing at Zach Theater through September 10th. It's, it's also quite a funny show, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I laugh at the lines still, you know, and I've heard them dozens of times. I still laugh. We're, we're, the whole band is up on the stage listening and reacting. You know, we're not hidden away. We're reacting and we're, it's not pretend like we, it's the, the, the cast is so good. It's just like the expressions on their face and the way they deliver things, even though you've heard them still funny. And how would you describe the show? I've heard it described as like Shakespeare meets the Go-Go's. Is that fair? I a lot of people think it has something to do with the go-go's and it it doesn't at all. I mean it's it's the go-go's music is used. There's a lot of thou this and thou speakest of what and and yet it's done in a very funny light-hearted way and the message of of inclusivity and uh expressing who you are as a person and not fitting into what you know, you're supposed to be like, it, it's a really good, strong message for, for the climate today, where we're kind of going backwards and being less accepting of people that aren't exactly the way we think they should be. A lot of people are. So I think it's, it's very entertaining and funny and progressive and lighthearted, kitschy show with really good music. That's how I would describe it. Oh, wow. Well said. That's fun for the whole family right there. Well, the, one of the things that I loved about being in the Go-Go's was bringing such joy to our audiences. And I see that a lot with this musical. So uh, I just see people just with big smiles on their faces. Like I said, it's just been a great experience. I'm very grateful. That is so wonderful. And I'll just mention that tickets are available at ZachTheater.org for Head Over Heels playing through September 10th. And Kathy, I am grateful for you for giving me so much of your time. I really appreciate it. Julie Arts is all about real people making a living in the arts. Some are famous and some are not, but they all have one thing in common. They're making it happen. I'm Juliet, and if you enjoyed this episode, I hope you'll subscribe or follow and tell a friend. And I'll see you on the radio on Magic 95.5 every weekday afternoon from noon to 7 p.m. in Austin, Texas.